listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 128, brought to you by Vessi Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. Well, folks, today we've got Nikki Jabor right here from Nova Scotia, here to talk about greenhouses. Who is Nikki Jabor? She's the author of four books on food gardening, including the award-winning The Year-Round Vegetable Gardener, and her latest, Growing Undercover. She also hosted the Weekend Gardener radio, radio show on 95.7 FM for the past 15 years. Uh, she's currently the garden expert on CBC Radio. For those of you that don't live in Canada, that's the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, kind of like the Canadian version of the BBC. Um, she writes for magazines and newspapers across North America. Her website is SavvyGardening.com. All this information will be in the uh, show notes uh, as well on social media. And she has a YouTube channel, and it's called Nikki Javor. So not hard <laughs> to find. Uh, Nikki, you've had a lot of big changes in 2022. What's going on with you? Uh, tell us just what's going on with you. Yeah, well, hey, Greg, thank you so much for having me back. It's great to yeah. chat. Um, you know, I'm such a fan of the show and it's great to talk to you again. It's been a couple months now, so this is fantastic. I know. Um, yeah, well, 2022, I mean, gosh, it's been such a busy year. Uh, I, I actually, after 15 years, I decided to step away from my radio show. I know. Um, it's been, I, mean, I think, the, yeah, I kind of saved the news. I've known about it all season, honestly. Um, but I did save the news until we almost wrapped the season, season 15. And I think a lot of people were shocked because it's so much fun. I've loved it. I've met thousands of guests, just like you do. Talk to people from the UK, from all across Canada, from the US, you know, Australia, so many places. Um, but, you know, it's a weekend radio show, which meant that I was working every Saturday, part of every Saturday and part of every Sunday. I know you're doing that thing you know? live. Like, I mean, what I do, I can yeah. record it whenever. And it just I, I just have to have something to upload on Saturday, on the first <laughs> Saturday of every month. But I can be anywhere yeah. on that date. So it's Love a it. completely different commitment what you were doing there. Well, um, I mean, I mean a different it was format hard. on radio. Yeah. I mean, like I was on your show once right. and I was like, holy yep. smokes, this is stressful. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, it's super fun. I mean, I was terrible year one. Right. But right. I mean, you get practice and by year oh. 15, it was so much fun. Two hours every week. But for eight months a year, you know, it's certainly uh, curtail travel or things like that. So, yeah. yeah, last weekend was the first weekend I didn't work and I literally didn't work. <laughs> I, I just enjoyed myself and it was fantastic but I mean I, I mean the guys at Rogers everybody there um you know all the producers I've had this has been fabulous they were so supportive and I you know I appreciate that they were a little sad to see me go and you know again great opportunity for me and, I, and it led to so many opportunities for me um you know but I also am still on the radio on CBC yes uh, Mar you took Maritime. Marjorie's spot yeah yeah they invited me to do that back in the spring uh, I, I mean, gosh, I listened to Marjorie since I was probably like 12. And I remember I met her in person when I was probably like 16 and one of her new books oh. had come out and it was like meeting a rock star. It was amazing. <laughs> I met her uh, at my work for a period of time. We had a sort of lunchtime gardening club. And oh, she, nice. Uh, yeah. And one of my coworkers knew her. So uh, she had Marjorie and ask her uh, to answer everybody's gardening questions. And uh, oh, this was just like maybe three, four years ago, right? Okay, um, nice. Yeah, she's so, so uh, knowledgeable. So also so charming. Yes. And uh, like usually the gardening show, or the gardening club, I was sort of like the person doing the talking. Not mm -hmm. when Margie was there. <laughs> she just took yeah. over everything. I was just sitting, oh yeah, you do everything. It's fine. I love Go it. Um, and not like, yeah. not, not in a, like, it's not like she imposed herself no, um, no, I no. Just uh, the situation imposed her. Like it was just, uh, I, it, it, everyone just needed to listen. It was just, <laughs> you know, and I mean, I like it. it was, yeah. So it was. Great. I could listen to her all day long. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was working at a bookstore when she did the book signing, and you know, I was just like, you know, sixteen, and and just kind of like working the cash register. But my boss is like, all right, just go back and sit with her, and you can take care of all the fans and keep things going smoothly during her book signing. So that's what I did. And then I kept asking her questions like, what is mulch? You know, all these yes. things that I had no idea back then. Yeah, uh, yeah. So fun. So there's that. Yeah. But uh, what about uh, books and uh, other things? Oh, my gosh. You sound like my publisher now. <laughs> <laughs> Get writing. Um, yeah, I mean, my last book came out, um, you know, about a year and a half ago, Growing okay. Undercover. And, you know, it's done really well. And, you know, it's about part of the topic we're talking about tonight, greenhouses and using different types of garden covers to reduce pests and weather damage and extend the season and just grow healthier plants. So, right. um, which is what I do. So yes, I might write another book at some point relatively soon, but I, I haven't decided yet, but 
um, you know, one of the projects I have been working on, uh, well, I'm working on the past year is a new calendar, which I know is probably going to come out backwards for you, but the year on vegetable gardener 2023 wall calendar, okay. uh, which is now in stores and online. Um, and then we've just finished the 2024 one. So that'll come out next late summer. Um, so that was really fun, something totally new for me. And it's a lot of photos from the book, as well as lots of tips and information, whether it's cold frame gardening um, or, you know, growing tomatoes or vertical gar gardening. So just lots of what fun What does stuff. it have like every month? I haven't seen the inside of it. Does it have I know. like I don't advice? Know if this will like, show up with like... my background. But yeah, it's got, um, it's got advice. So you've got your main photo and then you've got all this advice here at the bottom. You know, relative uh, to that month like this yeah, is a good exactly. month to get your peppers started or whatever that sort of thing exactly uh, or whatever crop is being featured whether it's beets or cabbage or you know tomatoes or something like that something to help you just grow healthier plants at a bigger okay. harvest yeah that makes yeah. sense so it's i can't yeah i can't criticize the book thing i've, I've been telling i was i started <laughs> working on a book in 2017 and uh i'm about had, at the end of 2017 i had the book about one third or one half written and all I've done was rewrite it ever <laughs> since then. So I can't uh, can't yeah. criticize. I started a Substack page where I'm writing <laughs> thousand yeah. word article a week. Right. Um, so I don't know where where I'll go with that. It's, that's been interesting, although it's been a learning experience just trying to put out that kind of like thousand words a week. Right. For me, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I do that with SavvyGardening.com. Put a, a anywhere from a, well, about twelve hundred to two thousand word article once a week for me, and then I have two week. partners as well that they do. They also yeah. write, so I mean that's usually. a major. Uh, I thought, well, that's nothing, but it's it's a major thing to commit to. Yeah, um, yeah. it's not so hard coming up with ideas. It's just seeing the idea through and making something uh, readable is something else. And trying to make sure it's comprehensive. You yeah. know, it's including whatever question somebody's going to ask that you're going to address in that article. And also, yeah. if it's going to be published online, you want it to be in in like often having bullet points or you know something that they're going to be able to digest easy for sure. Yeah, so it's that's what uh, I like anyway. <laughs> it's been a learning. I think by doing having developing the discipline to do a thousand words a week, I think if I can translate into that into getting the book done. And I was actually thinking about. Ever heard of like in the old days? Uh, they used to have like serial serial novels. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So like so science in the science fiction magazines, you'd you'd publish a chapter a month or something like that. Mm. So I might do something like that with the book on the Substack page just to yeah. get it out there, right? Um, yeah. I mean, when I work with a publisher, like, so I, I've, all four of my books have been with Story Publishing, who are just, I mean, they're amazing. Um, they give me deadlines. <laughs> so yeah. I, I have one year or so to write the book. And at the end of that year, it better be done. So, wow. you know, the first six months, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm going to tap away a bit. And then the last six months, you're just like, it's just like flying like fire. You know what I mean? You really got to get that done. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> a lot of publishers, though, are six months now. Wow. I couldn't even imagine that. That'd be a lot of pressure. I know. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I would have, I don't know how I would have pulled that off. Was that a deadline, honestly? I don't know if I could have done it. So I, I do work well with deadlines. That's what most new writers say, that they need yeah. a deadline. We totally do. Um, I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, oh, look, I got to clean the toilets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um so we usually clean up the house if we like we have a house guest we clean the house the morning yeah. that their guests are coming over <laughs> what else are you supposed to do <laughs> exactly. uh so today we're going to talk about greenhouses and you have one in your garden which we can i assume this is a picture yeah. of your garden in the background it is. a picture of your greenhouse yeah. so when when did you how long ago did you build the greenhouse and why did you build it so this has been in my garden for about five years um, and it's a walk-in polytunnel. It's 14 by 24 feet. Uh, it was a polytunnel kit. Um, and I mean, I, I've had structures, walk-in structures before. I think I got my first one when I was probably about 17. And it was literally like a, a metal like tent um, structure covered in like clear poly. And it was like, you know, $150 from a local store. That's and it, it was flimsy. But I still got to start seedlings in it. You know, I got to start my my plants, like putting them out six, eight weeks earlier. So it did you know, it did teach me that the power of having that, you know, level of protection in a garden. Um, so when it was time to to put a new structure in my existing garden, I wanted something that was big enough that it was going to provide us with lots of food all winter long. And I can tell you that when you're looking at greenhouses, if you can afford it in your budget, go as big as you can, because right. you will use up every square inch of that space. Um, right, right. I was overwhelmed when we covered it and I walked in and I'm like, how am I going to fill this up? Well, it took a week. 
right? So, <laughs> you know, and, and now I'm like, geez, I should have gotten two of these end to end. But yeah, yeah, so yeah. I chose, <laughs> I chose this structure because it was designed locally by a greenhouse expert that had been working in the field for over 40 years. And I had worked with him. I knew his work. I knew his knowledge base. And right. he designed this structure. It's a professional grade greenhouse designed for a homeowner like me. Um, uh, and I knew it would, you know, take um, hurricanes and nor'easters and snow loads. It looks loads, like a very so. like sound, elegant yeah. design with the dome structure, right? It so, is. Yeah, so yeah. it works. And, and then I, I paid a bit extra for the front to be polycarbonate instead of just soft poly because I wanted it to look nice in my backyard as well. Uh, um, but totally worth it. So when you say polycarbonate, you mean like a plexiglass kind of thing? Yeah, so oh, the twin wall Lexan polycarbonate. So it's ah, got yeah, two, two layers with I air see. pockets in between, oh. which also increases the heat retention of the structure. Yeah, yeah. So you get the extra insulation yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, like you probably, I would have loved a glass greenhouse, um, you know, something beautiful and gothic and, and stylish. But when I compared the price per square foot for a glass greenhouse compared to my polytunnel, you know, at the time when I bought it, like five years ago, it was about, you know, $2,500 for the polytunnel versus the glass greenhouse estimate I got was 160000 for the same uh, size. So I was that's like, a, that's hmm. like a fancy cottage. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there. Very fancy. Yeah. Actually, my first yeah. house. Uh, was, <laughs> Mine too. I, my first house, uh, which we bought in 2004, was cheaper than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too. And I bought our, we bought ours in 2001. I'm still living in it. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got in. You got in at the right time. I'll tell you. Um, I know, eh? Uh, last Can't year, leave last now. Couple of years, not so good. You're not going <laughs> in exactly. Um, so I got a couple of questions here about greenhouses. Uh, yeah. I got some of my questions, and then uh, some viewer questions as well. Uh, I solicited sure. them a few days ago just to see uh, what they wanted to know. So, I mean, the question, the first question I have is because I, I, I agonize over having one every year because I know. I only have so many spaces on my property where there's good sun. Yes. And so uh, I, 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 I contemplate putting one in my garden, but then that space would be greenhouse and not, not greenhouse. It would be not garden. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, the first question is like, who should have a greenhouse? Uh, is it right for everyone? Like, is it, Sometimes I think because mm -hmm. my garden is so big, a 2,500 square foot garden, it, it kind of makes yeah. sense to have, a, it would complement it to have a greenhouse. And every year I think mm -hmm. about it and then I just say, oh, screw it. I don't do it. Um, yeah. But yeah. How would you like, how did you decide to get one other than being a, you know, famous garden person and <laughs> having a big garden and having a garden well, show and stuff? <laughs> well, I mean, I wanted one um, because it was one of my goals, you know, like I've have used them before I've gardened in them before. Um, and, you know, the goals that I had for my garden was to increase my year round harvesting. Of course, I use cold frames. I use mini hoop tunnels. I use deep mulching. I use cloches. So I use lots of other uh, little structures, but I wanted to really up my garden game and go bigger. And I wanted to increase, you know, how much food we produce in a year. So the fact uh, that was one of my garden goals. So I, I would think about if you're kind of weighing the options, well, evaluate what are your garden goals? Like, what do you right. want to get out of your garden? So right. a walk-in structure, whether it's a greenhouse or a polytunnel like mine or a geodesic dome, there's one actually just across the street from me, uh, just in cool. the other neighborhood. It yeah. is amazing. It's featured in actually in my book, Growing Undercover. Right. Um, I mean, it allows you to get a serious head start on spring by like, uh, depending on the structure, by months uh, or even just a couple weeks if it's just a smaller tent-like structure like I started with. It, you know, we live in a cold climate. The way that I've been able to grow peppers, eggplants, melons, tomatoes, you know, it's six weeks earlier in spring and the six weeks earlier start to the harvest. I'm still harvesting tomatoes now from my unheated structure. And it's, you know, mid to late October and I've already had four hard frosts. So that doesn't usually happen here in Nova Scotia. Um, yeah. I'm still harvesting peppers and eggplants in there and ground cherries and, um, and other types of warm season vegetables. Again, wow. no heat in there. Um, it's also a really comfortable working environment. I mean, I've been using cold frames for 25 years, but going up in February, you know, to harvest greens from a cold frame, it can be a little wet and cold and damp and whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you walk in your greenhouse. Like I, the first year, I think I did live in there. Like I worked up there. The Wi-Fi goes up there. I wrote a book in there. I mean, I'd have tea every day up there. I mean, I was in there all the time because it's always, even cold winter, usually if it's sunny out, it's above freezing and it's mild. Yeah. Um, and then if oh. you're thinking about how much food you want to produce, well, a cold frame is great. I love my frames, but they produce, you know, a small amount of food in a three foot by six foot frame or a three foot by four foot frame, whereas a greenhouse, so much more space. So, and yeah. of course it can be flexible. Like in my greenhouse, I have two raised beds along the sides. I have a little patio in the back because again, I want to sit there. 
And then in the middle, it's it's like um, empty space. But normally, like right now, it's full of grow bags, which, you know, had vertical tomatoes and things like that that are still going. Cucumbers are done. But I could take those grow bags out. I could put in another, you know, raised bed there. Or I could change how I do it every year. So it gives me flexibility to adjust the design inside the structure. So I see. it's been fantastic. Yeah, you got to yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess if I could find uh, find someone, just give me one for free, uh, a sponsor. I'm I'm sure maybe I could we could uh, chat uh, Vessi seeds up and maybe they'll uh, <laughs> do me a solid. Yeah. Do they have structures? <laughs> I have no idea. I got a lot of stuff. I don't I don't know, but I mean, boy, they got like rototillers and all kinds of stuff. So uh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised I mean, if they had something. I mean, there's certainly uh, there's a lot of different structures out there, so. Um, you know, and now we, we can talk with this as we go along, but just make sure you pick one that meets your needs, you know what yes. I mean? And the growing conditions where you live, you know, and, and the seasons you want to use it. So a flimsy structure is probably going to be more of a headache um, right. than a help. <laughs> I think I'd probably want something at least six foot six at the peak because I'm six foot four. Um, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> so I'd be all hunched over. <laughs> you and definitely my, would. Yeah, yeah. I've, my, I've got mine my... is uh, nine feet, I think, in the middle. Ten oh, feet. Oh, nice. Feet, maybe. Wow, yeah, you so. could do uh, jumping yeah. jacks in there. It's perfect. I have. I use, um, <laughs> I need a ladder, you know, for uh, when, you know, as summer goes on for harvesting the tomatoes at the top uh, or, you know, still training them vertically and pinching out suckers and stuff. I have a little step ladder I use. This is perfect because that's my very next question. So um, let's segue. Um, yeah. So the question was, do you use it for anything? I always think of a greenhouse as like this thing that you grow stuff in, in like March and April, uh, right. and then you maybe move stuff into it in uh, in September so that it can continue to go. Mm. What do you use it for during the height of summer? I think it's July and August when it's so hot. You have things it going. So hot. What's, what's going on <laughs> in the greenhouse at the height of summer? It is. I, I like to fill like when I give talks. Um, I have some photos uh, I show of my greenhouse that are. And I can send you some, Greg, if you want to pop them into the show notes if people want to see them. So yeah. like, you know, in spring, you know, I've got the, the side beds planted with greens and quick growing root crops, like, you know, new baby carrots and baby beets and turnips. Um, but then in summertime, I put those, again, the grow bags down the middle. Um, and I have 16 feet of grow bags I use. Um, they're filled with a mix, of course, of some good high quality potting mix, as well as lots of manure and some organic fertilizers. And then the tomatoes get tucked in there usually late April, early May. Um, and I get such a head start on the season. By the time the ones I'm, you know, that go in the garden are going out, um, the other ones in the greenhouse are like two feet tall. Wow. So, you know, I do, I grow lots of heat lovers in there and every square inch of the vertical space is used up by midsummer because the tomatoes are like nine feet tall at that point. The, the cucumbers and melons I grow down the middle are growing vertically and they've reached the ceiling and are branching off and I'm adding other little, uh, little uh, you know, twine and strings for them to climb up on cucumelons grow in there i also overwinter artichokes as All you right. probably know our season here is not hot enough for artichokes which are zone oh. really zone eight All maybe seven right. b but in my greenhouse they overwinter so i get artichokes starting in early may late april which is and they're like giant like beautiful globe artichokes wow. um so i i do overwinter some tender things in there um, but of course, you know, I'm growing, you know, vegetables in there all the time, but in summer, even though you think you wouldn't want it, it is just packed with vegetables. And, you know, we get an early start to that harvest of the warm season crops, the eggplants, the peppers, again, the melons, tomatoes, cucumbers. Uh, I do grow a few zucchini in there as well, just for fun. Um, and then that keeps going. Like I said, there's still tomatoes there now in, in mid to late October. So it's, it's pretty phenomenal what it does in the garden. I, should, I was going to ask you, I had a question, your plastic versus glass, but I think mm. we already figured that out, given that it's about a 10 to 1 price differential. So uh, uh, I think glass well, is probably not uh, it's, it's so yeah. expensive that you use glass if money is no object. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I mean, glass is definitely, it, it has better light transmission, like a single layer of glass. Uh, you know, the problem with a single layer of glass is that a uh, it doesn't hold heat very well. So it, it's not very energy efficient. It's also breakable, <laughs> you know, yes. glass, even though it lets a lot of light in, it's very breakable. So if you have any trees nearby, if you got kids playing with baseballs, you know, glass, if it breaks, it's just no fun. Pesky teenagers with the long hair and the rock and roll music. Yes. <laughs> Terrible, um. <laughs> isn't it? Golly. Yeah. So, I mean, if you had double paneled glass, that's more energy efficient. But it's very, I think that'd be the most yeah. expensive greenhouse. So, um, you know, you can buy, you have poly, like my poly on my poly tunnel is, is greenhouse poly. It's rated for four years. It's UV treated, so it doesn't break down in the light. And I'm hoping, it's already five years old. I'm hoping to get one more year out of it before I replace it. But you can also use 
like you mentioned earlier, polycarbonate, the hard plastics. You can get single layer, you can get twin wall, like I have on the end of my polytunnel. You can get triple layer, you can even get five layer. So the higher, though, the more layers you have, the less light can pass through it. So you are right. losing some of that light, of course, which is okay if you're in a hot climate and you're trying to maybe grow things not so hot. But here, you know, twin wall is what I would want to go with. I see. Well, and I think like even with my plastic domes that I just put over my garden yeah. bed so I can sort of turn each bed into a something like a cold frame. Yeah. Um, I find, I mean, that's just six mil poly that you get at a hardware store for using in the walls of a house, right? Mm. And I find they last about five years. Then you have to start putting little bits of like tape on them to tack <laughs> up, to, almost like a guy who's shaved, you know, with all the little bits of toilet paper. Yep. Uh, so they start to look unsightly, but you can you can squeeze an extra year or two out of them. Easily. So if you, can, if you can get five years out of that. As long as not, it's UV stabilized. Built, yeah. And it's not. I mean, it's meant to be inside a wall. So it doesn't I'm have surprised. any of those properties, right? Um, so, and you've got like that, you know, it, it's not steep, it's sort of flat. So the yeah. ice cakes on, it gets a real beating, but I squeeze about five years. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get double what it's, you know, guaranteed at. We'll have to see. I, I'm, but... I'm being careful with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. hope so. But, yeah. um, like, I mean, you, yes, you can buy cheaper polyplastics, even things like drop cloth. Um, and I've used all of those different ones. They just don't last as long. So the greenhouse plastic has been worth the investment for yes. me. But the best way to get it is if you go to a supplier, you know, like Halifax Seed, and they have a damaged roll. Uh, you know, yeah. often you can get it for a better price. Or yes. you buy it with a group of people, you know, like a garden club or some fellow gardeners, because they're usually at least 32 feet by 100 feet or 40 feet by 100 feet. Right. So, I mean, you can share a lot of that plastic with people. Right. Well, yeah. my next question actually is something you alluded to earlier um about things like tomatoes and peppers and, and eggplants and stuff like that do you sow mm. them in your greenhouse or do you sow them indoors as and then you move them to the greenhouse and then you move them outside or like i mean what i guess yeah. what do you sow in the what do, what do you actually sow in the greenhouse and what do you use the greenhouse to harden off or do you yeah. use it to harden things off how do you I do because yeah I mean as, as you're saying like a lot of people would use a greenhouse in spring that way I used it when I first had one as a teenager to harden off seedlings that's what I used it for I started some seedlings and I hardened things off um now I don't use it it's for me the hardening off is a small part of it so um my tomatoes and stuff are started indoors under my grow lights and then right. you know I, I do move them to the greenhouse the polytunnel early of course than I, than I normally would put them outside maybe like a month earlier and then they're left to grow on there um, I do have a table at the very back. They can go there or I just line. There's like trays all up and down the pathways and like mid spring. Um, mm -hmm. There'll be like eight trays of tomatoes and, you know, like all these peppers and everything. And they're just in there. So because there's, they don't get frost and the temperatures are relatively mild. If, the, you know, it really gets cool one night in like, you know, early May, late April, I'll toss a row cover over top the seedlings, but they do fine. Right. I don't put things out that are super, super tender like basil at that point yet. I wait usually until more like mid-May in there. Um, but of course, yeah, like I'm, I'm, there's a lot of other things hardening off the lettuces, you know, uh, cabbages, broccolis. So I don't really, I mean, I could use it to start the seedlings, but grow lights are so efficient that I, I just prefer to do that. But right. you certainly could. So in spring, I mean, too, like I say, I have the trays in my pathways because the beds are full of vegetables. As soon as the day length starts getting longer again in early March, late February, you know, mm -hmm. I have cleaned out those beds of anything that was finished up in winter. And I'm sowing, again, all those early spring root crops and salad greens and just getting a jump on the harvest. Wow. Okay. So you do sow a lot in there. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. I direct yeah. sow a lot in the beds. I mean, that's primarily how I do it. Lots of mixed salad greens, too. Mezlin mixes, spinaches, Asian greens, baby kales, scallions, so many things. And then you move all that stuff out. No, those uh, are left there and we eat them. So, oh. like, I will be harvesting spinach starting usually, um, like, the new crop. I'll start sowing spinach in there mid-February. We're harvesting that by late March, you know, into April. Uh, then it's kind of pulled out, and then I'll start putting things like peppers or tomatoes in there. It'll, it'll replace that. Oh wow! I see. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I think you answered this question earlier. You, you don't have a source of heat in your greenhouse. It's just the heat is just yeah. whatever whatever solar energy it stores in the in the, in the ground, sort of thing. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's things that I could do. I could line, you know, the pathways with stones. I right. could put some barrels of water in there. Um, I, I visited domes and polytunnels and greenhouses that actually have a water reservoir inside them where the water is absorbed, the heat, you know, water absorbs the heat during the day, releases it slowly at night. So there's not so much of a temperature drop. Um, you know, I, I haven't made space for that. I know people who keep a rabbit hutch 
in their greenhouse to give off some heat or oh. have a compost pile in there again to generate heat. So there's lots of things you could do. Mm. Um, but, you know, I haven't found that I really needed it. So for my artichokes that overwinter in there, I do deep mulch them in late autumn. Um, right. But that's it. Yeah, there's, there's, so I don't use any heat. You know, you can buy small greenhouse heaters. And I have to say, I've been a little tempted because I wouldn't mind overwintering some fig trees in there. Right. But, but you know, one of my things is using no extra energy. So no, no heat. I've seen guys, they take these old, you know, like uh, when your house has had an oil heater for, you know, like the old houses with the oil tank and you have to replace those every 10 years. Yeah. So they'll take, so the, the old ones are just garbage. So they take an oil, oil tank to fill the whole thing up with water and they paint it mm. black and they put it at the back of the greenhouse. Yep. Um, to just the north like side. A, yeah. Yeah. To just yeah. sort of uh, suck up sun heat all day. That seems, you know, yep. uh, yeah. Seems like I know people that stack barrels as well. Like you say, they paint them black. They stack up a whole wall of barrels. Or I've been in a greenhouse too, um, like a commercial sized greenhouse, but the whole north wall is just large stones, like in sort of like, you know, like the, the large kind of uh, wire cages. Um, uh, and that absorbs heat all day long and releases at night. But I mean, in a home greenhouse, that's not really practical. But, well, that's just the thing. I mean, yeah. sometimes we, 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 we dream big uh, home gardeners, <laughs> but there's only yeah. so much you can do. And exactly. Yeah. Um, where, I mean, I think it's relatively obvious, but we should ask the question, where, where should one be positioned in a garden? Let's say you only have a, you have one space in your property for gardening yeah. type stuff. Cause not everyone, has, I have a large property that's, you know, like a lot of space, but most people don't. So where should you put the greenhouse? It should go where it's going to get full sun all year long. I mean, which yes. can be challenging, like you say, in a small yard or an urban area, it can be hard to find that perfect spot. If it's getting a lot of shade, then you're gonna have problems with things like mold and, and fungus and things like that. So you really wanna make sure it's a nice sunny spot, um, preferably away from buildings, no tall trees over top, um, preferably close to a water source and maybe an ele electrical source as well, if you need to add a fan, or if you wanna you know, add an irrigation system, obviously you want it close to where you can uh, uh, attach some hoses or soaker hoses or drip irrigation. I mean, I do hand water my greenhouse, so obviously I need to have it close to a hose because yeah. lug and watering cans would not be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so those the are water all in there in the in the winter when uh, you can't run a watering hose in like March. How do you? I don't have to water. I mean, I very rarely water. Usually, I start oh. to water in March, but like in pretty much late December, January, February, I'm not watering because things aren't actively growing. So the plants aren't really transpiring. Yeah, yeah everything yeah. just slows down with the, the low light levels. Um, and that's and that's really the, you know, more important than, than the temperature. It's the fact that there's such little light. So the plants aren't growing very much. So you, once things start going up again in late February with the increased day length, above, you know, uh, 12 hours again, 10 hours again, then that's when they'll start to grow. And, you know, I'll need to start watering. But generally, I don't have to water at all. It, sometimes wow. you get like a, you know, like that February thaw when you get like a 20 degree Celsius day. Yes. Um, and I, I might run a hose, but I think I've only done that once in five years. So, yeah. so uh, the first uh, question is from Fra Francis Miaoganu, and uh, his his question is uh, wants he wants uh, tips for high wind sites, also uh, passive airflow and heat retention tips. Gosh, high wind sites! When we had that hurricane here three weeks ago, I was looking out the window the whole time yeah. thinking is the greenhouse going to blow away and it's been through four hurricanes um many nor'easters with winds in different directions so i'm on top of a hill um and so my greenhouse has been put through a lot so uh the, the, the reason i bought that structure is because i knew it could take it so that's one thing invest in a structure that's going to put up with the growing conditions you have so right. i mean high high winds you know are certainly a part of life where i live so i went with a structure that's super sturdy um, and well-rated for that. So I would say try to do that, particularly if you're going to grow year-round. I mean, if you're just looking for spring-starting seedlings, maybe some summer tomato protection, that sort of thing, maybe some early fall crops, you could have a temporary structure, you know, that um, it just has like the, 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 the supports, the metal supports or wooden supports you cover with the plastic, and then that's taken off and stored for winter when there's like <clears throat> storms and things like that. So you could do that if you don't want year-round harvesting so look at your local greenhouses what, what are other people growing in near you whether they're homeowners or farmers talk to greenhouse supply stores garden centers um, and just to make sure that you end up with a structure that's going to be really strong so um, I would say and, and for mine as well not only is it steel hoops like again greenhouse professional greenhouse rated we mounted it on hemlock base and then use three foot long rebar stakes to mount it to the ground 
So mm. it's not going anywhere. Like the not plastic might fly off sometime, but the structure yeah. is not going anywhere. Um, right. And I said, you know, if we move in a couple of years, I'm taking that with me. And my husband's like, no, that's staying. <laughs> I'll get a new one because that is so in the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of like heat retention, um, you know, if you're trying to hold heat in, for example, like it's October right now. So yeah, the days are pretty mild, but then it gets pretty chilly at nighttime. So for example, I have roll-up sides. It's one of the reasons I went with a polytunnel. It makes venting so easy. Um, you know, so I might have one side or the door open right now, you know, because it's warm and sunny out and then it's going to get cold. I close it up in late afternoon. You know, don't wait until nighttime when the temperatures have dropped. Close it up early to retain that heat. Uh, um, you, you could also have a, a poly, like most professional greenhouses, if they had a polytunnel, they would have two layers of poly and an inflation kit fan to keep like, a layer of air between those two layers. So you could do that as well. That certainly retains a lot more heat, but then you need electrical source. Um, you know, and it's going to cost more money. So, I see. but that's an option too. Um, and we, you and I already talked about sort of different ways to, um, you know, you know, preserve heat and retain heat, whether it's rocks or bricks for pathways, water reservoirs, things like that. Um, I think you said passer, passive ventilation. Well, well, that's that's, I, I, not ventilation, yeah. but I think the airflow. So how do you, how do you sustain some, because you, you need some degree of airflow in yes. the greenhouse to prevent mold and mildew and all that nasty sort of stuff and plant health. So how do you, yeah, how do you ensure a degree of airflow in there other than just it depends the on the door? structure. Yeah. <laughs> stuff, right? Yes. But it depends on the structure. If you have like a glass or polycarbonate greenhouse, then they will usually come with vents like roof vents that help allow air to vent out. Um, they might even come with a fan. So you might need a fan depending what type of structure you have. Um, and they come on maybe a couple times an hour, depending on the temperature and the humidity to get the air flowing. But for me with a polytunnel, I just roll the sides up. I mean, air flows very well through that. I do have two windows in the back. I also have the front door I can open to. Um, but I find the roll-up sides just make it very easy to vent um, and make sure the air flows really well. What do you do in February? Oh, th then it's closed. But in February, I'm not worried about airflow so much. Because I'm more worried about trying to keep all of the heat that's in there during the uh, day. You know, uh, so yeah, I'm not... I'm not worried about airflow in February. There's not really plant diseases happening in February. The temperature too, too cold for real problems. Yeah, yeah. I guess. There's no slugs either, Greg. <laughs> yes. Well, and I also think like with I found this in my, our house as well because one of our our rooms has a cathedral ceiling. Um, yeah. I think when you have that dome, and especially when there's a certain volume of air, mm -hmm. I think there's almost a natural air turbulence because you have got the sun shining on this side. So one side might be a bit warmer than the other side and it just creates. Um, yeah, for sure. I think there's a natural air turbulence in a dome. Um, yeah. I love the dome shape. And I think there's also something to be said with regard to high winds. Mm. You see, I've seen some of these actually right down in like Prospect and Terrence Bay, um, right by the water. People have these glass A-frame greenhouse. And I'm like, man, you are asking you for it. with it. I mean, it's just... <laughs> 90 degree wall you know this you know whereas what you've got it, yeah. it can it can take it's it's made for wind yeah really and it, it does it goes up but then like this so it does it sheds wind very easily i mean a type of structure that sheds sheds wind the best would be a dome a geodesic dome yeah. and you can diy your own but you really need to be very good at math yeah. um, or you can buy a kit so i would yeah. suggest buying a kit um the, the neighbors that, I, that have one that i know they have a kit uh they bought a kit i think it was 26 feet in diameter so it's like 13 feet in the middle because it's half the height is half the uh, diameter. And then right. they have it on a two foot high knee wall, I think it is. So it's like right. 15 feet in the middle. And my gosh, like tomatoes in there in like May are like 10 feet tall. It's crazy. It never freezes yeah. in there. And it's triple twin wall or triple um, polycarbonate. So it's very insulating. Well, you've almost, I mean, last, last year I had you on or last spring I had you on to talk about transplants. And oh, yeah. I actually, I don't usually do transplants, but I actually did some. And How'd it, it go? Like, First year I ever got peppers in my garden. Like I've, I've oh, had good. a hell of a time getting them to grow because it's just so foggy and and miserable here. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I used a variety of pepper that Lee Reich recommended. He said grows mm -hmm. grows fast, sweet Italian. Oh and yeah. I started them in first of March and <laughs> carefully put them out, hardened them off according to your instructions, mm -hmm. and uh, I they're still we're still eating them. Like we have ridiculous amount of peppers, right? Uh, now, the eggplant didn't go, go as well, but I didn't give it the prime real estate. It, like I have like best spot <laughs> in the garden. Yeah. The, oh, the yeah. Peppers That's the near, greenhouse. Uh, That's why you need a greenhouse. Greenhouse. Yeah. So maybe. Well, and I could I, I'm thinking in my head of ways I could just make one using. 
Well, you can uh, use mini hoop tunnels for sure. Yeah, just being clever with uh, something bigger than what I just go bigger, a bigger version of a hoop tunnel. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you can get a metal bender as well. Like I have one to to bend 10 foot long metal, um, you know, like a, you know, tubing conduit, sort of thing. And conduit, conduit yeah, yeah. Board. It's a hard yeah. word to remember today. Um, <laughs> so you can bend that over top and mine just makes perfect four foot wide, you know, short pieces, but you can get them six feet wide as well and get longer pieces of conduit. Um, or even just bend it so then you use a center connector and you can easily make a walk-in poly tunnel oh, that way. Oh, I can tell you, I'm percolating right now. Um, or, or, or PVC pipes with connectors. PVC, I mean, yeah. I see people do that. It's oh, not just... quite as strong necessarily, but three C's in greenhouse. All right, these are the sort of things I'll, if I'm trying to get asleep uh, in bed, I'll, I'll start engineering <laughs> in my head, right? That would keep me awake. <laughs> yes, no, that's like I get... Because you know, you think of you know, it's something you'll think about like all season long, and you oh yeah, in your mind's eye, oh, how do I solve this problem? What do I do about that? And <laughs> I can spend uh, a long time thinking through something like that. Um, sure. All right, the next question is from uh, Viola McShannon, and the question is, uh, what's the best small greenhouse for a mm -hmm. backyard? Maybe I think she means dimensions. She says maybe six by six. Oh, um, probably. This person's in uh, Zone Five, Nebraska, uh, but okay. yeah, I think she's asking about dimensions. I mean, six by six is not very big. Um, yeah. In that case, I would probably just go with a cold frame or mini hoop tunnel like we talked about over top of raised bed because it's just going to be so much more inexpensive. Like, you know what I mean? To build a six foot by six foot greenhouse, um, it's going to cost a lot. And it's really not going to be that much more to build one that's six by eight feet or even six by 10 feet. And you're going to have so much more growing space. With a six by six foot, you might have um, like a, a two foot by six foot little bed inside and another two foot by six foot bed and then a two foot um, by six foot pathway, but you're not really getting a lot of growing space in there. Now, if that's all of the space you have, then you certainly could do it. Um, but if you, you know, can go larger, it's not going to cost a lot more to go six by eight. So that's probably yeah. what I would try to do, or even six by 10. It all depends on the space and the budget really. Um, yeah. But, you know, bigger is better. You'll never regret having a slightly bigger structure if you can. And again, it usually doesn't cost that much more per square foot. Once you've already sort of invested in the six by six foot structure, it's yeah, not, yeah. not a big stretch. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, next question is from, uh, there's some lovely filth down here. That That's not the question. <laughs> that's, that's the handle. Um, All right. How, how to deal with humidity and poor air circulation later in the season when you want to ripen as many tomatoes yeah. as you can before, uh, you know, uh, they're finally taken out? Well, I mean, sunny days evaporate moisture from leaf surfaces, um, you know, and soil. Uh, and the warm air, you know, kind of holds the moisture, which causes condensation. So this was what promotes plant diseases, you know, which they're talking about, I, I think, for tomatoes. So you really want to reduce the humidity. And the first step in that is watering properly. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be splashing water about onto pathways and, you know, you know, even soil and, and plants, the, the tops of plants, the, the foliage, if you can. I water in my greenhouse with a long-handled watering wand, like a 36-inch watering wand, and I direct the water right at the base of the plants. Mm. Um, and then I also use um, straw mulches to kind of hold that soil moisture. Um, and that definitely helps reduce, you know, the, the condensation, the risk of diseases, things like that. And if you are going to water where you're splashing, you make sure you do it early in the day so that the leaves can dry off relatively quickly. Um, proper plant spacing, of course, can also help the leaves dry quicker. If things are right. overcrowded, they'll stay wetter longer and that water evaporates and causes condensation and high, higher humidity. Um, Weed-free pathways as well. So I think it's important to keep that, um, mm. the weed-free, the pathways weed-free and, and well-draining so that if you do splash water on the pathways, it doesn't just sit there and uh, evaporate. And then yes. consider your ventilation, right? As I mentioned, I have roll-up sides, which makes it super easy. Uh, but if you're in a smaller, like a glass greenhouse or a polycarbonate greenhouse where you just have, you know, a couple ceiling vents or the door or window to open, you might have to add a fan to really get that air moving. Um, right. Chances are, if you've bought a kit, it's going to tell you uh, and offer advice on, on what type of fan or what they have in terms of ventilation. So make sure you read those instructions um, right. to see what they recommend, because the manufacturer is obviously going to know their product uh, yeah. and they'll know what you need. I see. Um, all right. The yeah. next question is, I think, a key question. Uh, and <laughs> we've, 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 we've flirted with this question a little bit. Little bit. So uh, it's from Green Love. Uh, mm -hmm. I would like to learn some techniques on how to regulate the temperature swings in a greenhouse. Um, and the person says, uh, if helpful, I live in Northern California, Zone 9B. And I mean, wow. this is the thing I want to ask, too, because um, from 7 in the morning till 5 p.m., I'm not here. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, even in my little uh, hoop houses, my little domes, 
Uh, there's some days where I'll go to work. It actually happened this year. I went to work and normally I'll just pop, I'll prop them up and put a little rock underneath just to make a little space yep. for the hot air. I forgot to do it one day and I lost an entire, well, almost an entire bed of beets. They were just vaporized basically in mm -hmm. one day. And it was May and usually May is kind of cold here, but it was like a super day and it must have been super hot. It must have been 50 C in there or something like that. So everything yeah, was yeah, yeah. Um, Get cooked. But, yeah. So in a greenhouse, when you got so much, uh, so, something the size of yours, where you got so much going on in there, so much riding on it, right? I mean, I just lost yeah. some beets, right? Um, but you would have, I would, if, if it was a greenhouse, I would have lost my peppers and my tomatoes and my eggplant and all my early greens and all that other stuff, right? Um, so yeah, for the person who's, you know, got to leave, uh, what's the best way to deal with all of that? Yeah. I mean, as you know, you can automate anything nowadays using yes. your phone. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of money. I don't have an automated system. Um, it'd be tempting. I do have an indoor outdoor greenhouse thermometer that's inside my kitchen. And that's, I look at it 20 times a day. I have to say <laughs> it's just so interesting. Like yes. if I know it's eight degrees Celsius, but it's sunny. Well, gosh, it's 24 in the greenhouse. I couldn't stop looking nerd. at that too. Yeah. yeah right? no, that, that oh my sounds God. cool. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Yes. Um, but yeah, you could automate it, but also there was a time a couple of years ago and I, I shared this on my Instagram because I think people should know you know, that everybody screws up sometimes. And I did accidentally on a May day. And it was like one of those May days when it was 30. I forgot to roll up the sides of my polytunnel because I had an early work call and then I was nonstop. And by when I realized that around lunchtime, all of my tomatoes, pepper seedlings were in there hardening off. Right. And half of them were cooked. Right. So it was like, oh my God, so stupid. I, I grow extra, thank goodness. You know what I mean? So, and I yeah. shared that and people were so sympathetic because that happens. So yeah, say if I was leaving at 7 a.m., you know, and I, I check the forecast, I roll up the sides. Even if it's cool in the morning, that's probably going to be just fine. I always err on the side of venting, whether uh, it's a cold frame, my polytunnel, a greenhouse, because plants that are grown slightly cooler are going to be hardier than those yeah. that are grown slightly too warm. Because, you know, plants grown too warm, they get a lot of fresh green growth that's easily damaged and cold. Um, so I, I would roll up the sides, I would open the door, I would open the windows, you know, uh, so I, like the, the shock defense. and the variation would actually help the plant yeah. sort of get ready for what's coming. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, I would do that. And then, you know, when it got hotter later in the day, not a big deal because you've already opened your greenhouse or your polytunnel and there's air flowing through there. So you wouldn't have to worry too much. I've always thought I can, I can conceive in my mind of a device that has a thermostat that is solar that's battery operated, that when the temperature, when the internal temperature of the greenhouse hits a certain temperature, it just opens a vent near the peaks, right? Well, they have those actually. Like two vents that just open, because uh, I don't want to have to check my phone on some stupid app. No. I just want like, oh, okay, it's hot now. Let's open up a little bit. Oh, it's getting cold now. Let's close back down. Like that yeah. would be, there was a thing like that. There, there's it's, it uses beeswax i believe um beeswax. and it just when it gets to cer yeah, a certain temperature they open up and you can use them for cold frames or like greenhouses to open the windows and greenhouses so um i think even halifax seed sells them or greenhouse supply stores you can buy what them are online, these things probably. called uh automatic uh louver openers i think it is or cold frame opener yeah, you'll have to look it up but they've had those for many years a couple decades because i know that i know someone who used one when i was just starting using cold frames like 25 years ago huh yeah. Okay. But I mean, there's other things you can do too. You could be using in a warm climate, you could be using shade cloth too. Right. Um, and of course their growing season will be different than ours. People in very warm climates, like nine B or eight B, I think you said was the zone. They're growing tomatoes, not the same time we are in July and August, because those are very hot months there. They'd be growing tomatoes in like March, April, and then maybe again in like September, October, or even into November. So yeah. their growing season would be slightly different than ours. But, you know, using shade cloth in a greenhouse, some people would use a greenhouse whitewash to paint, you know, like a glass greenhouse to decrease the amount of sun that's coming in there. Or if you had something like triple wall polycarbonate, that's blocking some of the sun that's coming in as well. So there's right. lots of other things you can do as well to reduce the heat and temperature in there to eliminate hot spots. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next question, that's just some good ideas. Um, and I like the, the advice, just always err on the side of venting. That's, yes. you know, I, I don't know why I haven't arrived at that. Cause see yeah, there's times <laughs> I think, Oh, I just, well, cause there's so many days where yeah. I want it to be as hot as it can be. You know what I mean? Push like, it. Yeah, like yeah. I think, well, if I open it up, it's not, it's, it's not going to be. But 
but then you lose everything because you don't do yeah. that, right? And the light's more important than the, than the higher temperature because, again, high temperatures are going to push out soft growth, which invites things like aphids as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I true. try. Keep her cool. Yeah, good advice. Um, all right. This one's from Sabrina. Uh, and this is not what you've done, but I'm sure you have some ideas. Hmm. What's the best way to inexpensively build a functional greenhouse? Yeah. Well, I mean, mine was pretty inexpensive, you know, compared to some of the other options, like a polycarbonate greenhouse. And I, when I paid for my 14 by 24 foot polytunnel was pretty much the same thing. Some of the garden centers were offering for like a, you know, an eight by 10 little polycarbonate like structure that was not very windproof or, you know what I mean? They're a little flimsy. I think this um, is like a DIY. Yeah. So uh, you can DIY, like you and I mentioned, bending pipes, you can DIY uh, using pallets. Uh, right. There's a gentleman down in Hubbard's that has a couple pallet greenhouses he built himself and covered with polycarbonate, old windows, you know, greenhouse poly. Right. Um, I wouldn't buy a cheap product. Like you can go online to some of these websites and buy really inexpensive, flimsy greenhouses. Right. And maybe they'll last a season or two, but you know, they'll last for like spring, summer, early fall. They're not going to go into winter for you. And, and again, you might just get that one or two years out of it. I don't know in the end if you're going to be paying more for that. Right. But as well, like I want to use less waste in my garden, less yeah. plastic. And if I do buy a plastic product, I want it to be incredibly durable so that yeah. I can use it for many years. Because again, we should all be using less plastic. So that's part of my garden mantra is just try to be mindful that way. Um, so, you know, but you, you can DIY them from wood, from PVC, from, you know, um, metal conduit that's bent uh, right. and covering it with, with polys or or old windows. I know there's a nice one down in St. Margaret's Bay here, about 10 minutes away. They built the greenhouse out of old windows, but then they bought polycarbonate for the top because they wanted a nice, like really shedding structure for rain and snow. And it's a really nice structure and they've been growing in it for the past two years. Oh, so wonderful. they got windows on the vertical and then they got like yep. some sort of dome. Polycarbonate, yeah, yeah. just roof, gla oh, for glazing. Roof. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Looks yeah, great. Yeah. 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 And they're yeah. growing inside of it in buckets. They're not growing in like raised beds or in the ground. They've just got all these, you know, the big white buckets. Um, oh, we're growing in those. I think they're 15, ga 10 gallon buckets, 15 gallon buckets. So, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and uh, agricultural poly, as opposed to just getting hardware store poly, because it's not going to, it's going to last longer conceivably. It's worth the money, you know, yeah. in my experience. And I've bought a lot of polys and I've tried a lot of different products over the That's years. The, the I mean, guilt that goes with bagging up, like, you know, like you do all these cool projects the last a few years, and then you're throwing all this plastic away and you feel like crap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Let it, and you can buy greenhouse polys that are even more fussy, like ones, you know, with anti-condensation. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different types out there, but really, as long as you have the UV, you know, treated poly, then it should be fine. UV treated poly. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's some good ideas. Uh, yeah. Next question is from Farmer Red. Okay. Uh, cold climate styles and best materials to use. How to maintain soil health. Uh, if using raised beds. Actually, that's a question I was yeah. going to ask. So, I mean, you've got all this mm. stuff growing in your garden in there. It's not like an outdoor garden. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're mulching it or if you've got that sort of uh, composting. Or are you just constantly sort of bringing in inputs to maintain the, I guess it's two questions. So cold climate styles and best materials to use. Let's start with the soil yeah. health one because that's the one I'm most interested in. <laughs> so how do you maintain, to maintain soil health in your in your greenhouse? Well, you know, Greg, I feed it. I feed the soil all the time. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, every time I clean something out of there, because I, I don't just garden in spring or in summer or in fall, it's, it's, you know, 12 months a year, I've got things growing. So every time something comes out, I feed the soil, whether it's my compost, whether it's leaf mold, whether it's uh, aged animal manures, maybe it's some organic amendments. And then I do also lime a little bit too, to make sure the soil pH is where I want it to be. Hmm. I'll do a soil test maybe once a year, oh, um, really? just to kind of check that level. But yeah, and then I don't use chemical fertilizers because, you know, the salts can build up in them. Um, when I water, I try to deep water because, you know, my beds are pretty deep. Like they're not high. They're about eight inches high, but the soil does obviously go down. So I want to make sure the water goes all the way down because rain doesn't get in there. So yeah, yeah. I do try to make sure I deep water to maintain all the microorganisms that are living in there, that they have the moisture that they need. Um, right. But yeah, other than that, it's, I treat it like a regular garden. I feed the soil regularly. It gets watered. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it does well for me. It's been five years and things are thriving. Do you ever get, I mean, this is a question I had on the top of my head. Do you ever get, uh, mice, moles, mm. things like that in there? I've had a mouse once, um, 
three years ago, I think it was. Uh, yeah, and it, it, I had a row cover over top of winter and I had a row cover over top some things in there, um, some salad greens. And I noticed there's a hole in it and then they'd taken it and made a little nest with the, the row cover. They had torn it up a little bit in one uh, part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I did have some nose traps to, to I obviously don't want mice in my food garden. Um, you know, so that that's how I've taken care of the issue before. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's impossible to make it completely sealed and, and proof. Like I did find the hole they got in. You can't um, like keep outside. mice out of anything. No, so yeah. yeah, I just keep an eye out sort of thing. And um, But yeah, so it hasn't been a big problem for me. I mean, I could have lined my beds with hardware cloth as well to keep them from tunneling under. Um, right. In retrospect, maybe I would do that next time. But they haven't been a huge problem for me. And, uh, you know, I do try to keep an eye out for them just in case. But it's been, uh, it's been, you know, I have no complaints. And I don't have a cat either. So yeah, I think... It's not like all the mice in the neighborhood know you've got this great place. When you, when you, I think one, yeah, when that the one you had sort of wandered in, it was like, oh my god, this <laughs> yeah. is amazing. I'm staying yeah. here. Um, but yes. yeah, the the rest of them just don't know it's there, so they don't. They have to wander in by accident to know. Yeah. I do. I do sometimes get chipmunks in there, though, this summer and last summer, um, you know, they would come in because they love the sun gold tomatoes and they love right. the ground cherries. So they'd come in and I'd, I'd walk yes. in and they was looking at me eating like a cherry tomato. And, but you know what? They eat so little, really, that I don't mind it, but I don't want them in there, but it's hard to keep them out. And you leave the door open. Do you ever get a bird in there? Uh, I've had a bird in there, but I mean, usually the sides are open at the same time, so it, it can get out very easily. Uh, um, okay. I get a lot of dragonflies and bees in there as well. But of course, when these creatures are out, the sides are open, the windows are open, the door is open, um, and they get out pretty easily. So, although That's there's it. a couple spiders in there, so sometimes they do get stuck in the spider web. Yes, but yes. The spiders are <laughs> beneficial, so what are you going to do? Nature. Well, the other part of the question was... Uh, cold climate style i think we addressed that one and uh, best materials i think we addressed those questions that were best materials. yeah i mean i would just say something with a steep roof peak if you're worried about uh snow loading yes. you can get different styles like you can get a quonset style tunnel or greenhouse which is like the roundish ones those don't shed snow as well as like one with a gothic peak so i would just look for something like that yours is fairly i mean yours looks very i, I see it has a peak but it's very domey yeah yeah you, yeah but yeah, sometimes snow slides when, off it what about when we get that weird fog snow ice rain stuff <laughs> that glues onto your car window um, oh yeah yeah you know what i mean does that yeah that must stick to that it doesn't actually what? really i mean it slides off pretty it's kind of fun I, I go up there sometimes you know right after a snowstorm and it's covered in snow and usually because it heats up quickly right Even oh on it's a, got like, the internal day. heat you've got it's like so a car with the heater on so you've it got melts Yes. And it slides off. It's like a snow avalanche. But you do get snow uh, piling up the sides when we have a heavy snow winter. But that's just insulation. So that's not a bad insulation. thing. It's got, um, it's now, got there internal was heat. Yeah, you've got bioactivity yeah. going. Always something, it's always warmer inside there than outside. So there's always yeah. a differential. So it'll slide off. It will snow and, and early on, when I first had it, I had a soft bristle broom. And I would kind of go up and because I was worried about it. But then I was like, why am I doing this? It's sliding off within like a few minutes. Off, so. I see. So yeah. as soon as so the sun comes up. And things yeah. warm up it just things happen that makes yeah. a lot of really sense quick. yeah okay yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah because my yeah. with my smaller domes they just don't have oh yeah no it's see it's a microclimate but it's not a large hmm. microclimate i think the larger the microclimate the more uh synergy uh you get <laughs> we were talking earlier the day world class uh, greg world-class world class synergies um <laughs> that's an inside joke but um yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah i think i, I think was, i think there's probably a um what would you call that like a, a mathematical relationship where they're for sure you know, for the larger it gets you get an exponential sort higher of... volume of warm air and stuff yeah but and honestly get... even with mini hoop tunnels or cold frames if i get a bit of snow on them outside I don't really mind because again, that's insulation. It's not like in January and February, oh. those crops are growing inside so much. So if I'm not going to harvest for a couple of days, that snow is just going to keep them warmer. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, the snows, I mean, you got the igloo effect, right? So it's, yeah, uh, exactly. Like there's no, there's no downbeat to, or no, uh, no down, no downside. As long as it's not like two feet of snow, which is going to crush the structure, then you're fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay. The next question, my last question is from Gene Snow, apropos of our last topic. I believe Gene actually used to live in Nova Scotia. We had a Gene Snow here that was an urban farmer. So talented. I wonder if this is the same one. Because um, I think these last uh, last couple of questions are from YouTube. 
are, okay. are from no I, from I, Facebook. I, so this would be the okay. Facebook. Uh, there's more Hi, locals. Jean. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the Jean Snow. All um, right, awesome. <laughs> so the question is, what is the best way to keep vegetables warm throughout winter? My greenhouse is yeah. solid structure, and I have raised beds. Um, you know, what's the best way to keep the hardy veggies from freezing? Yeah, no, I mean, no, raised no. beds. She says, she says her, her greenhouse is solid, and she has raised beds just to keep okay. hardy veggies from freezing. Right. I mean, depending how high the raised beds are, I know people that have like really like two foot high raised beds in their greenhouse, and obviously they're more exposed to the cold air, so they're going to freeze quicker. Um, you know, so my raised beds are only about eight inches tall, and they don't they don't freeze at all in my polytunnel with no heat. Um, so if they're really tall raised beds, that could be part of the issue. Right. Um, and my, my beds are also made from two inch thick hemlock, which is also very insulating. Um, you know, and, and of course in winter where I have root crops and salad greens in them, I do put mini hoop tunnels, with just like wire hoops, you know, nine gauge wire hoops and covered with row cover for like a, sort of like a tunnel inside a tunnel. So yes. that helps keep them nice and protected. And the soil, again, it doesn't freeze. I've but seen that soil... tunnel inside the tunnel thing before. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And I mean, you can buy nine gauge wire at your hardware store. I clip it into the size I want, you know, row cover, pretty easy. Um, if the beds are really tall and you're trying to prevent them from freezing, I mean, you could put straw bales up against them, bags of leaves. You know, if you have styrofoam sheeting from another project or packaging or bubble wrap, you could put some of that around it too. That actually works pretty well, especially bubble right. wrap. Um, so that would help. And then maybe if you're having trouble with the really cold temperatures in the soil, then you could stick to the most cold, hardy vegetables like, you know, uh, scallions and leeks and kales and, you know, Asian greens like Eucena savoy and mosh and spinach. So I would stick to the most cold tolerant vegetables uh, yeah. just to ensure success. Things that are marginally hardy maybe won't do so well for you. So stick to the ones that really can go the distance in winter. Well, I've also found like with kale, because I leave my kale out right up until like December. Yep. And uh, I found that the kale can handle freezing solid. I'm mean, so frozen that it's almost brittle, right? Yes. So yeah. It can handle freezing overnight. And I find with the kale, as long as the soil doesn't freeze, it can yeah. freeze overnight. It'll freeze overnight, thaw out, and then continue growing a little bit during the day. But mm -hmm. it's it's when the soil freezes that the kale starts to die, very, probably because it can't drop water from the soil anymore. Um, yeah. So the it depends harvest, on the variety. Like yes. certain kales, um, like winter boar or red boar or red Russian or winter white, they're more cold tolerant than something like dinosaur or, you know, uh, kale. Yeah, which is not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I Love agree. it. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's delicious, but it's not delicious. as cold hardy. So yes. if you want something to really go the distance, then I would definitely uh, pick the winter hardy ones. And you can put a mini hoop tunnel over top of them, a cloche, or even mulch them with straw. Um, yeah. And they will definitely keep going all winter long for you, even in an open garden. Well, and I, I got to say, I mean, this is a little off topic, but it's somewhat related. Um, like the difference between like, so I grow, I think it's called Siberian kale. It's a very wild kale. It gets huge. Right. It's like red Russian kale, but the stems are white. Okay. okay? Yep. Um, there is a white own, Russian too, though. It, it's one year I got red Russian kale from actually from Halifax as a, as a, as a transplant. Yep. I planted those and some of them survived the winter and went to seed and I saved the seeds. I've been replanting and saving seeds from that every year, but they never were red again. They've always been white since then. It's just almost mm. looks like a Swiss chard in a weird way. Um, yeah. Anyway, the funny thing is, is that all summer long, whenever I harvested these, my wife said they tasted terrible and my kids yeah. sort of just ate them to be, to be good, like to be good, to get the dessert, you know, but, and they weren't good. Right. No, and, no. Uh, we just had some yesterday for supper and they were delicious. I had the leftovers for lunch today at work. I was like, oh my God, this kale is amazing. <laughs> amazing yeah. how much better it tastes when uh, we don't eat it in summer. Both. It's not yet. I, <laughs> yeah. I decided this year, I, I might even write an article about this that I'm, I'm done because I've done videos on like how to make summer kale taste good, like blanching mm -hmm. it and different things like that to get the bitterness out, you know, because it yeah. really it is almost a waste of time to harvest it in the summer. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, if you know, it's, it's losing leaves and the leaves get taken the lower leaves get attacked by snails and some things like that. Cabbage so worms. Yeah. I feel like you should be harvesting it or working with it, but it's, 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 it's practically inedible in the summer Com by comparison. I mean, it's edible, but the difference between the summer kale and the October, November 
it is so much better this time of year. And that's uh, true too of, you know, things like leeks and beets and carrots and parsnips. Um, and, and it's because, you know, the starches are transformed into sugars by the cold temperatures. It's sort of like a natural antifreeze by the plant. So that's why it tastes so much better now. Yes, well, and I also mm. think there must be something going on because like they're bitter in the summer and I think they're mm. producing like a poison to keep, uh, you know, like higher sulfur compounds. Yeah, and, you know, all these sorts of things, right? To keep the, you know, to, to, to decrease pest uh, predation. Yeah. But they don't, they don't need that. I mean, it's not like they're making decisions and, and you know, but um, they don't. On a chemical need... level there. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, so it must just be the case that, I mean, those things are not needed in October. I mean, you know, slugs aren't coming out at night in October. Yeah. Because yeah. it's too damn cold, right? Yeah. So yeah, what a difference, you know, it's so much better. I know. I've got, so these, um, I've got these uh, cultivars yeah. of uh, dandelions that I keep in my garden. Okay, like are they um, cultivated types, like um, yeah, French dandelions? Punto, I think it's called. Okay, um, they're, yeah. they're an Italian dandelion. So, you know, in April they're okay, and then the rest of the summer they're they taste like poison. Right. Um, and then I was out in my garden just this last weekend, and I snapped one off, and you know, you eat dandelions; they don't taste good usually, right? Yeah. Um. So I Very snapped better. one off and and chewed on. I was like, this doesn't have a bitter taste anymore. So I was going to do a video um this weekend on like the difference right this is when you want to hurt anyway i was out the other day they were all gone uh rabbit got no. into my garden and all of them they <laughs> I mean, know they like know two... the truth these things are like hosta right so yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. a big bouquet it. and it's gone except for oh like so so there was like the outside leaves and the inside leaves they left the crappy outside leaves Ate <laughs> <laughs> all the nice they'll probably inside. grow back you know, so, cover the mini hoop tunnel. They'll grow back, but still, that's frustrating. Yeah, those rabbits know their stuff. It's like they were oh waiting. Oh, my God. They yeah, right really. They saw the, you uh, doing it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, they're right next to the edge of the garden, so the animals do walk. Like, there's basically a game trail yeah. all the way around the perimeter of the garden, so things are always walking by. Hmm, yeah. What's in there, you know? Me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, you, do you have a fence too. around your garden? I have an electric fence, yeah. You have an electric fence. You're electrified. And then I have a chicken wire fence around the bottom because the day after I put the electric fence in, I got groundhogs. So <laughs> the deer stay out now, the rabbits stay out, and the groundhogs stay out, knock on wood. Well, that's the thing. I have chicken wire around the bottom, but I I don't, I think it's not well. They, they can tunnel under it. It should be sunk at least like six, six inches down. And mine's not, but it still seems to keep them out. Yeah. But it should be buried at least There's six inches or a foot. There's a flaw in my system somewhere because they seem to get yeah. in and destroy things, not all the time, but periodically, right? Probably the same uh, one. Bunny. <laughs> exactly. It's bugs. Bugs bunny. Oh yeah. man. Well, I think uh, yeah. I think we've uh, we've killed off all our questions. Is there anything else you want to say about uh, about greenhouses? Uh, anything we didn't cover that is top Gosh. of mind? I think we covered all the points that I would have wanted to for greenhouses. We talked a lot about the structures and caring for them and the different plants and how you can use them and yeah. picking the right type and where to put it. So yeah, I think, I think we covered a lot of ground. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe you'll have a, you'll inspire me this year like you did last time. And maybe I'll I try to try to think of where I want to give it. up. I have to sacrifice space in the garden to do this. I know I did too, but I, I don't regret it in the least. You, you know? gained. You gained. I did. It's about your goals, though. I mean, the amount of tomatoes I can produce now is unbelievable. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I do the one one thing I is lacking now is the one thing I haven't gotten a good harvest yet is the the eggplant. Right. We we really like yeah. it. Like we love the whole family loves eggplant. Um, yeah. Especially considering like the grocery store sells one kind. Oh my god. Um, I know. I know. There's like hundreds of kinds, right? I usually grow about four different varieties, mostly uh, I had one Indian variety this year, three Asian varieties. And oh, my gosh, like they're so delicious. It's the slender eggplant. So good. And I had yeah. six plants in the greenhouse. And every week I probably picked, I don't know, 12 to 18. So it what? was very good. I know I was so much. But my mother-in-law, you know, my husband's Lebanese, so she makes the most wonderful dishes from it. Oh, my gosh. So did good. you have the eggplant in your greenhouse all summer long? I did. I mean, I do grow in the garden, but this year I didn't. Um, oh. I just grew in the greenhouse and, you know, the back of the greenhouse, I watered it not as much as I probably should have, but it doesn't care. It's just such a hardy plant. Last year, I grew it outside the greenhouse and it did really well, but it did so much better in the greenhouse. Oh, okay. Well, now you're really, 
<laughs> it's a heat loving plant and yeah. it helps if you're growing it in a garden bed in our cold climate to pre-warm the soil before you would transplant it yeah. really needs warm roots for the first few weeks for sure i know i think mine i planted them out and for the better part of a month they were just like oh my god what are you doing yeah. you know right um, so oh my god. yeah then, then they don't catch up till september i know yeah it was it wasn't it really wasn't until uh, yeah so they, they really suffered my, my peppers and my tomatoes were okay but the eggplant man they suffered so oh, that's too I, bad. it would be almost worth building a greenhouse just to get eggplant <laughs> if um, you like them that much yeah although yeah, you do yeah. say you're pretty foggy so you got to consider that as well I mean, it would still help you, but I don't have a lot of fog where I am. So that's the thing. That's the one of the things that's held me back is that the, you just don't get as much bang for your buck because you don't yeah. have as much sun. But of course, when you do have sun, you're going to get more sun out of your sun. I think that's <laughs> true. Sense, that's right? true. You're going to make the most of the sun you have. Exactly. Having a greenhouse. All right, Nikki, it's great having you on the show. Thanks for coming on and Thank talking you. about greenhouse and everything else. Uh, I hope uh, everything that you're uh, you're planning for this year is great. And I can't wait to uh, listen to you on CBC and enjoy that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a blast. Thanks again for the invite. It's and great. Uh, it's just great to chat and gardening with you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you found that interesting. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. And until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, folks, want to help support everything I'm doing here? Check out my sponsors, Vessi's Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. For Vessi's, go to their website, Vessi's.com, and use my coupon code, GAVS22, and you'll get free shipping as long as there's a pack of seeds in your order and there's no oversized items in your order. Check out the description box of this video for details. Uh, for Safer's Products, Woodstream Products, you can buy all the things I use in my garden, Slug and Snail Killer, BTK, Endall. You can buy that from Vessi's. Or you can go to their websites uh, for a much wider range of products to solve just about any kind of problem that you can imagine uh, with high quality natural ingredients like oils from seeds and flowers and stuff like that. Uh, for if, you, if you're in Canada, go to woodstreambrands.ca and as long as your order is over $69, you get free shipping. If you're in the United States of America, then go to saferbrand.com and as long as your order is over $45 US, You'll get free shipping from them. So, yeah, if you want to help support the channel and the podcast and they sell something you need, buy it from them and that'll help support everything I'm doing here. Thanks a lot. <laughs>